Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It was kind of sad that we couldn't meet at the cross today, but we needed the rain, so we are in a situation where we are. I'm going to have a sermon for you today, and then we're going to have a brand new sermon coming next week on the 3rd, where we'll meet at the cross. It's supposed to be beautiful weather out, so we're looking forward to that. Our sermon today is going to be a combination, actually, of two verses, Matthew 4.17 and a section of James 4.13-5.6. through 5, 6. Matthew 4.17 says in the Geneva Bible, Amend your lives, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the King James Version says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, these verses really tie into James quite well, and you will see that as we go along. The last several weeks I've been gathering together some stuff in a pole barn. It belonged to a man who meant a great deal to me. And I really started to realize what life really was about when it comes to our stuff. And ironically enough, I'm sitting here at a workbench surrounded by his stuff. And it's stuff that he strived to acquire. Things that he needed to live. It was things that he needed for his hobbies, things that he needed for his profession that were gifted to me. Some stuff that I didn't need is going to end up on an old table with a sticker on it that says for sale. There's things here that he worked for, things he strived for, things that he broke his back for. And there are things here, sadly, that has outlasted him. And I'm sure that most of this stuff that I, is now my stuff is going to outlast me. And at some point, it will probably sit on a table with a for sale sticker on it. Might be at an auction where people are gathering together to try and get super deals on stuff that they couldn't normally afford. And then it becomes their stuff. And stuff just slowly goes round and round and round and round to person to person to person until that stuff wears out. James had written in the fourth chapter, starts out in verse 13, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then vanishes away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. We all have plans for the future. We have one-year plans and five-year plans. Some of us have ten-year plans. And that's just on the earthly side. And on the spiritual side, there's people who know of God that say, yeah, um, I'll be a Christian when, when I get done living and having fun. We have plans for vacations, for new houses. 
we take out 30-year loans, we get new cars, we have kids, we have a family, we have a dog. It go, the list can go on and on and on. Lives of carefree, troublous living, some with no devotion to God. And they'll say, yeah, well, I can live without him now. Well, but someday, I'll, I'll do that later. We focus so much on gain that we work and work and work and work and work. And we work in order to get rich and to get money so that we can store up treasures, that we can get more stuff. And we'll say, I need dollars right now. I don't need Jesus. I need money. I need dollars to get stuff. And then I need more dollars to get more stuff so I can do stuff with the stuff that I have. And the facts are the facts is we don't know what will happen tomorrow. Maybe nothing. Maybe we'll sit all day and do absolutely nothing. And maybe, just maybe, we might enter eternity tomorrow. We don't know the day or the time of the coming of Jesus, and we don't know the day or the time with the end of our lives. Yet, we make plans. We make plans for new acquisitions, new homes, new cars, kids, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Plan after plan after plan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Failing to realize that eternity is stalking our souls. The Bible says it, and I've said it many times, life is but a vapor. Forty-five years of my life has seemed like ten. A once young and vibrant face that looked at me in the mirror is being replaced by wrinkles and graying hair. Bull-like strength is vanishing. Yet, myself and many others strive to cling to our youth. Some strive to cling to their riches. When our final heartbeat has come, when our final breath has been taken, when our final sight has been seen, that is when we will realize how much of a vapor life is. But in saying that, we need to make plans. We need to live life, but not at the expense of our souls. We need to put God, we need to put Jesus Christ as the first priority not a life and not this world. Our time on this earth is much shorter than eternity. Scripture says one day, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day in heaven. And our number can be called at any moment if God wills. That's why we must live for God. We must live for Jesus Christ, yet many will boast in a false confidence. Uh, I'm going to do this, and uh, I, I'm going to do that. God will wait on me. And I have to tell you that God waits on no one. We will all one day hear the final bell toll on life. Where were this bell when it tolls? Find you. Will it find you in communion with God? Or is it going to find you boasting about how rich you are or how good you are? or how you've committed a boatload of sin and will go to church when you're, quote, done having fun. One choice is heaven, and one choice is boasting and rejoicing in evil.
you know what's right, that you must repent and come to Christ, yet you don't. And this is sin. James continued in verse 5, the first verse through the third, Go to now, ye rich men, and weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Weep and howl for your reward is here. It can get really no clearer than that. No clearer than standing in your own man-made kingdom, seeing moth-eaten clothes and treasures rusted, covered in dust and cobwebs, or not seeing your treasures at all because someone stole them. Before James penned those words, our Lord Jesus Christ warned us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 17, excuse me, verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And then, the heart-wrenching verse that I've seen time and time again comes in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Immaculate homes, groomed yards, spotless hobby areas, beautiful flower beds and gardens. Meanwhile, in the inner recesses of the home, there's Bibles covered in dust, Bibles stuffed in drawers, pages of Bibles torn not from reading, not from use but from incidental contact, or even worse, your Bible's lost. You have no idea where they are. Yeah, I, I, I got one, but I, I, I don't have any idea where it is, though. The one thing that should be guarded with your very life is given zero thought, zero preeminence, zero care, until it sits in the back of a second-hand store long after you're gone, waiting for someone who will give it the care and attention it desired from you while you pay the price for your negligence. For sale, the sticker will read, $1.50. There's no sense in trying to walk the tightrope between the world and God's kingdom. You cannot serve two masters. Either you're going to hate one and love the other, or you're going to cling tighter to one than the other. And when this happens, you'll begin to hate Jesus Christ because you can't go drinking. You cannot have unending premarital sex. You can't go out and lie. You can't cheat. You can't steal. You cannot gossip. You cannot have any fun with Jesus lurking around the corner, you will soon think. You will never have a tight enough grip on anything on this planet to stop a holy and righteous God from removing you from this planet and depositing you in eternity for the payment you so earnestly strive for. And then the question again, where will the final bell find you when it tolls? Anything you leave behind at some point is going to lose sentimental value. All your tools, your cars, your guns, your jewelry, 
generations removed from actually knowing you will care less and less and less as that personal connection is lost. That personal connection of, oh, well, this is grandpa's gun or this is grandpa's piece of property or this is grandpa's this or that will be replaced with the love of money. The sentimental connection lost so they can get money to buy more stuff. And what will your legacy be? Are you going to leave a legacy as a loving, caring, God-honoring person filled with the Holy Spirit, on fire for Christ and sold out to God? One who's known for generosity, one who's known for love, known for prayer, known as a child of the Most High God? Will there be cries to God, cries to God of just how good of a person you were, how just of a person you were, and how, if only, they could be half the Christian, half the prayer warrior, half the man, half the woman of God, you were. Or, as James wrote in 5.4, Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, cries, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. What is your legacy going to be about a person that was unjust, unfair, a liar, a cheater, a thief, a gossip, a lukewarm Christian, or cold to God? Maybe your legacy will be that you were a hypocrite of the highest order. A hypocrite who lived to their own glory and honor, feeding your own sinful desires, deviating from what you know is right, setting your own morals, setting your own standard of right and wrong, living a life void of God and any moral restraint that would separate you from that which you truly desire. Are you going to leave a legacy where your heart had become fat with pride like a steer sent to slaughter? These choices, these choices will show that you have chosen your master. Your three memorized Bible verses will do you no good. If your mouth professes Christ, yet your actions proved that that is a lie. You cling to the world as if heaven operates by the same system as the world. As if you can buy yourself one more day. As if you can... Con those who take you captive to let you go, as if you can bribe the judge of the living and the dead to let you off with a warning, like heaven's values mirror those of the world. James wrote in 5.5, You have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Lived in pleasure on earth. Now, this is not an end times message. This is an everyday message that has not been given enough. I do not know your hearts. I do not know your standing with Christ. I do not know if the people listening to my voice today are saved, and I do not know if you're unsaved. I have no idea. It is between you and God. 
Have you wasted precious moments trying to find earthly happiness? Have you wasted precious moments chasing happiness made of stuff? Stuff that moth and rust shall destroy. Or have you been chasing, running hard after God, striving to be Christ-like, laying up treasures that cannot be destroyed by moth and rust in heaven? These are the two races. What race will you be found in when your final bell tolls? As Joshua called to the Israelites, I now say to you, choose this day whom you shall serve, and you shall have two choices, two masters. You can either serve the world or you can serve Christ. John wrote in his first book, in chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. And there we have another warning echoing Jesus that we cannot serve two masters. You know, we love meeting at the cross. We love being up there. But that cross is made of earthly wood and earthly screws. That cross on that hill in front of that tree will not stand forever. That tree will not stand forever. The pulpit will not stand forever, nor the benches. At some point in time, moth and rot will destroy, and they will have to be rebuilt. Everything here wears out on earth. Our body, our bodies are probably one of the greatest examples of that is day by day by day we get new aches, new pains, new shakes, new wrinkles, new gray hairs, new problems as the body begins to break down. Moth and rust and time will break down and destroy. And it destroys everything, but our spirit and soul remain. And they will remain to eternity. Our spirit is the only thing here on earth that will not go into the grave. It's the only thing here on earth that will not be spread around to all of our favorite haunts. John continued, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye knew that he is righteous, ye know that every one that does righteousness is born of him. The day is coming when our final breath shall be drawn, and we shall stand before the judgment seat. Will you be anxious to see the face of Christ, or will you stand ashamed before him? Those who anxiously await seeing the face of Jesus, that anxiously await to commune, to worship in person, will be the ones who are holding tight to Christ. These are the ones that have released their grip fully 
of this world. John continued in chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. If the world doesn't know you because of being a follower of Christ, what have you lost? Have you lost gold? Have you lost diamonds and rubies? Did you lose out on granddad's Cadillac? Perhaps following Christ has cost you mom's good sewing machine. Forsake all of this, I say. Forsake it and follow Christ. Devote to his teachings. Live as one of his disciples. Seek to gain everlasting life. Our sins, removed by the blood of Jesus Christ upon conversion and repentance, as we begin a life training and striving for heaven's gates to open wide to us. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to be, sold out to Christ, sold out to a life worshiping God, sold out to proclaiming God and warning others of the coming wrath. This is where I want to be, reading my Bible, studying my Bible, and praying to a holy and righteous God. This is where I want to be when my bell tolls. Here's the gist of it, folks. Ten out of ten people die, and we will all face the final bell. But it's not going to be like it was in the old wrestling that was on TV where you would hear the announcer step in, and he would say, Five minutes! Five five minutes before time limit expires. There's going to be no two-minute warning like there is in football. Our lives will someday be laid out. Our clothes, our books, everything. And we are not going to care as we're reaping our eternal reward. If one day is like a thousand years... In a thousand years like one day, why are we not investing our time in kingdom work? Instead, we're seeking happiness in what will be a table full of bargains for whoever yields to the signs staked on the road and attached to the telephone poles, them signs that say, for sale. I want you to live life to its fullest. But I don't want you to live life to its fullest if it means that you cling desperately to a world. And if you must cling desperately to the world, remember, the bell shall toll one day. Are you going to be caught up in a life sold out to Christ? Or are you going to be caught up in a life that's stained by the world? And I need you to think long and hard on this. I need you to know if you're on the right path. I encourage you again to continue reading much, studying hard, and praying fervently. Are you not on a path? Maybe you say, I'm not on a path and I'm never going to be. Or maybe you're one of them people that said, yeah, I'm having fun right now, so I'll wait.
sand in an hourglass when it's out it's out but unlike an hourglass you just don't turn it over and start the sand going again when the sand is up on the hourglass of life it is finished but Rev I'm on the fence I got one one foot in the church, one foot in Christ, I got one foot in the world. I'm lukewarm at best. Well, I'm asking you this right now. What's stopping you? What's holding you back? Why not break free of the chains of the world? Cry out to God. Yell, kick, and scream if you must. He will hear you. Cry out to be released from the bondage of the world and set free in Christ Jesus. To those who are saved, we know the blood of Jesus Christ is the saving grace of God unto eternal life. To those on the fence, you're looking at a world full of moths and rust that will destroy. And there's nothing here you can take with you. But you can leave a legacy for generations of a devout follower of God and a devout disciple of Christ. Your prayers can transcend time. We were at one point in the house that Brenda's grandma and grandpa owned. And I've said this story at the cross, but it needs reiterating. We were in the house that the family no longer owns, but it was for sale. So we took a tour of it to see how it was different from when grandma owned it. And I was walking around in that house and there was a window on the west side of the house. They had a little built-in windowsill bench in front of it. And I can remember to this day that I walked up by that bench and I just stood there and I felt the Holy Spirit in that house. And I have cold chills right now thinking about that. The Holy Spirit was in that house on that bench. Now, Brenda's grandma was a very devout Christian woman and she prayed she prayed a lot and Brenda and her mom were both there with me that day in that house and I said hey is this where Grandma Donna prayed and they both looked at me and said yeah why I said because I can feel the Holy Spirit and I can feel her prayers here her prayers had transcended time. There may be a few th pieces of Jan Grandma's jewelry and a few little doilies that she crocheted. But the thing that most people remember about Grandma Donna is that she was a Christian and that she prayed and that she loved Jesus Christ with all her heart. People have cherished copies of scripture. I have a, a Bible now that was passed down to me when I graduated college from Pastor Bob. It's a 1902 Sunday School Teacher Study Bible. It's a hundred 
and 20 years old almost. And the cover was frayed, and I sent it out and got a new cover put on it. But because his family cherished scripture, that Bible was still there, and it was a loved Bible, and it was passed down. Again I say to you, choose this day whom you will serve. Are you going to choose the God of the Bible or the God of this world? And when you make that choice, be ready, for you have chosen your master. To those who have decided that they are going to just go ahead and, and live their life and wait until the very last moment before they surrender to Jesus Christ, I will tell you this, death waits for no man. There's no guarantee that you're going to have a long lingering illness. That you'll have cancer. It could be a car accident. It could be like so many other people where you have a heart attack. And you're not going to be given a second chance if life comes crashing down quickly. Because there's no do-overs. There's no reincarnation. The end will come. And as they say on the cartoons, that's all, folks. And the screen fades to the judgment of your life by a holy and righteous God. To those who have one foot in the Christ and one in the world, the ones that will say, I'll wait, no, no, I'm not, I I'm good. I'm going to wait. Or those that say that there are no God. I'm going to end as I began with this warning. With this warning to you before this vapor of life passes you by. This is your warning before this world passes you by unaware. I tell you this now out of love for you. Out of love for you and caring for your soul. I tell you this. Amend your lives for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or I could tell you a whole lot more directly as they did in 1611 when the King James was published. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen.